This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast episode 337 brought to you by graphically and iFanboy members like you. iFanboy.com Pick of the Week Podcast, episode 337. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello. 
And because of last-minute emergency waylaid Josh Flanagan, we are joined by the Internet's Paul Montgomery. Hello. Thanks for stepping in at the very last moment, Paul. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We are at fanboy.com. We like comics. We read comics. We read a bunch of comics, or this week, not many comics. One of us picks the best one right around the website, talks about the podcast, and along with other books, topics of interest, things good, voicemails, emails, not the news of the day, certainly. Feelings? Just the comics. And before we go to the show, a quick reminder warning, even though we will be talking about The Walking Dead, there are spoilers, so if you don't want to hear spoilers, do not listen to the show, pause it, come back after you read your books. You'll be happier, you'll be less stressed out, you'll be more mellow. I wish Josh understood that, that rule with The Walking Dead. <laughs> this week, Ron, you had to pick. Yes, I had to pick the week, and it was, it was, in, it was a unique week in that it was a fifth week, which also show, saw a bunch of annuals from DC, which is interesting. Um, I miss the annuals, you know what I mean? I'm, I love annuals. I miss, I miss the coordinated annuals. Yes. That's know? where the events used to be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. People complaining about events, they used to just be in the annuals, so you could avoid them. Yeah, usually. Atlantis what? attacks and um, uh, the... Armageddon the, 2001, Millennium. They're, they're, they're doing that with Marvel this year, right? Asgard with uh, the Alan Davis stuff, aren't they? Oh, uh, well, yeah. Well, yeah, the, so there's a couple of annuals that Alan Davis is doing for, across Fantastic Four, Daredevil, and I think Wolverine, where it's like a three-part story. I think, I think mm. they just had Alan Davis do a story, and they're like, well, we'll put it in an annual. I think it was less about let's do a coordinated annual, sure. <laughs> but who knows? Anyway, um, so you know, going through my stack, going through you know, there's some books I was um, excited about, some books I want to see kind of what would happen, and ultimately, like it, it, this week gave me a good opportunity to talk about America's Got Powers, which is um, issue number two, got pick of the week, and America's Got Powers is written by Jonathan Ross with art by Brian Hitch, and I, I wrote about it on ifanboy.com in the review, and I don't know if I've completely made my point across, but um, I. On this book, I was fairly guilty of pigeonholing it when we first talked about the first issue. You enjoyed it, though. I enjoyed it. No, I totally enjoyed it. But as I read the second issue, I realized what a how rough it is and um, and how just you know kind of a challenge to the creators it is when you try to compare their book to something. And it's a tough it's a tough situation because we want to give especially with new ideas and new books and new um, properties you want to give some sort of frame of reference so like you know with Saga I I was out there saying yeah it's Star Wars meets Romeo and Juliet right you know because that gives you okay science fiction romance okay cool I get it you were pitching it pitching it yeah exactly yeah. we should do less of that um, <laughs> but um, but with um, with America's Got Powers you know the kind of the way I was pitching it to people is like you know it's 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 like heroes or rising stars meets like the X Factor or American Idol and you know and and what that gives connotations of it gives connotations of people in the real world getting powers and then there being some sort of reality show component which that comparison is true but what's What's interesting and what I thought of after reading issue two was that two issues in, Ross and Hitch are defying those comparisons. I don't know where this book is going. Like I, I didn't expect some of the stuff that happened in this issue, and I don't know. And when I finished this issue, I'm like, oh wow, I really want to know what's coming. I want to know what happens. Um, and I feel like that's the the best kind of that's the best kind of accomplishment creators can have going into a going into a book, especially something new like this. Um, 
Real quick, the premise is that, you know, 17 years ago, some crystal landed in San Francisco. It caused all the women to that were pregnant to give birth. And now there's this generation of kids who have powers. And they come back to San Francisco, and there's an arena, and they fight in a show called America's Got Powers. And it's kind of a, you know, kind of, you know, t- tapping into the reality world kind of thing, but also tapping into sports and kind of, you know, the public, you know, kind of public arena kind of thing, which is no different than the Romans and the gladiators. And, you know, we've had, you know, our currently our football you know idols or um, running man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. running man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, exactly and the first issue ended and what, what was what's interesting is that so you know all these people get powers and this is a world without superheroes so it's that's why it's similar to heroes and and rising stars and things like that but there's also a group of kids who seemingly don't have any powers and they're just put to work like then our main character works in the gift shop at the arena you know, because he's lumped in. He was one of these kids that was born, but he doesn't have any powers. And the last issue ends with him ending up in the arena, a huge burst of light, and wipes everybody out and shows that, oh, my God, he's actually got uh, – he's really powerful. But he doesn't know what happened. He doesn't know how he triggered it. The, the, the handlers, the government doesn't know what happened either. And this issue really touches upon the fallout of that. And it touches on the fallout of it, and you get some of the reactions of some of the other kids who are, you know, kind of uh, contestants or athletes in the um, kind of arena and how they're doubtful of this kid. You get the kid who now went from nothing to, you know, armed guards and getting like a big apartment and like, you know, quickly, you know, kind of, you know, achieving stardom. And they layered in little bits of nuance. Like they introduced the fact that there's a group of people who are, um, who are against the, fighting for powers they're kind of they're abstaining from violence which is you know and and they're kind of um they're kind of you know kind of uh labeled as a kind of you know uh in a support group kind of thing but also kind of like freaks you know like kind of like oh they're you know they nobody really understands why they're why they're abstaining from this and the main character is one of them um because he kind of he likes the girl that runs it um so you get little nuances there and but then they also introduced um and interesting in the cliffhanger, which which this is what pretty much drove the I don't know where they're going with this. They reveal um, they're trying to get the kid the kid Tommy who had all the powers to fight in the next battle, and he's abstaining. So his brother was a kid with powers, and he lost in the arena and was killed. And they revealed at the end of this issue as they bring the kid's mother in that actually turns out he's not dead. And there's this secret government base and all these pods with all the kids who have died, but the government is studying them because it turns out it looks like they quote-unquote died, but they're actually still alive. They're just not awake yet. Like they're, they're out of it, and the government's mm-hmm. trying to figure out why. And so like the, with one issue – and like the first issue was double-sized. So ideally this is like the third issue you know, technically if you look at page count. But within, within how many? 60 pages now of content so far within this 22-page issue or 24-page issue – They've introduced each time they have defied what my expectations have been. And like I said, I finished reading this issue and I'm like, I have no idea where they're going with this and I want to see what happens. And to me, that's, that's the makings of a good series. That's a good way to grab me. It sounds very similar to Ecstatics. Yeah, ways. a little bit without the, without the, without the tongue in cheek. Right. Well, yeah. sure. Obviously, yeah. to- totally different completely. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I, you- one, th- one thing I have, sorry, one thing I have heard is that yeah. the, hit, the hit chart is really strong. The hit chart is super strong. I heard it's his best work in, in a while. It best work in years. Um, it's it really harkens back to the old widescreen comics. Do you remember that back in when the he authority, was on, yeah. when he was on yeah. the Authority? Pretty much every, nearly every panel is 
full is a rectangle, full page left to right. Um, there are numer- numerous uh, double page uh, spreads that are double page spreads, but they're not double page spa- uh, splash page spreads. Um, they're just they, they like the top panel spans across all two pages, and then the the bottom panels break out into smaller panels. Um, it is some it's some it's like the it's like the hitch of old. Like it 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 is such. And I don't know. Again, we try to get into the head of these creators. I don't know if he just wasn't interested in what he was doing at Marvel or he wasn't engaged. But whatever spark that he had back doing the Authority is present here. That's good. Um, except I hate the white porters. I hate the white porters. <laughs> and I don't know if that's because he's drawing each panel digitally and then just pe- and then and and putting the page together. You know, what I mean, I was trying to really understand why those white borders are there. Like, is he? Is there a page of original? I should ask Brian Hitch this. Is there a page of original art, and he's just putting that space in the, in, you know, in between the panels, or is he drawing? Because like, I know, like David Lafuente used to draw when he was on Ultimate Spider-Man. He drew each individual panel, panel, and then digitally pieced together the page. Oh wow! Yeah, mm. right. That's why there was no Lafuente original art. Mm. So, um, yeah. So I'm wondering if Hitch is doing that, and that's why we get such perfect kind of white panel borders. Um, I don't know. Who knows? But it is strong. It is good. And you're you're obviously enjoying the story. How about um, Ross's writing in particular? Um, I mean, is it a big leap over turf? And yeah, I know back when that was coming out, that the, you know was talking about how there was a lot of words per page and stuff. And is there a, a marked difference in that? Now? There's a, is a huge difference. Um, it really. I don't know if Ross is clicking with Hitch better than he clicked with Tommy Lee Edwards. Or if because this is his second go around, but it is a lot lighter on words because remember turf was just like all these words all over the page. Um, he's leaning. It seems as if Ross is leaning a lot more on Hitch to tell the story, mm-hmm. um, you know. And, and it's very cinematic. It's very um, filmed in terms of both the action and both in terms of the, the pacing and the the kind of the the, the way the story is going. Um, so, it, you know, I think Ross is really kind of is, is honing his craft. And now that he gets, you know, now that he's, he, he's on a second, you know, kind of go around with another series, I think it's, it's way less heavy than Turf was. Cool. So, but, but still keeping the, the, the big kind of grandiose idea um, and all that sort of thing. So um, I don't know. I mean, I know I'm, I'm pretty much in the minority a lot. You know, I think like two, over 250 people pulled it on the site, which is, you know, which is, which is a pretty decent poll, but not many people made it the pick of the week. But, um, but for me, it's like I'm, I'm really liking the series. It's a six-issue miniseries, two issues in, and I have no idea where it's going. And that, that's exactly kind of where I want to be. Uh-huh. You make a you make a good case for it. It sounds very interesting. I, I'm going to probably go back and check out those first two issues. So. At the very least, you, you've got to really like the position Image is in right now in terms yeah. of they're, they're, it seems like they're putting a new book out every week. And, and they're diverse. They're, yeah. you know, yeah. they're totally, totally diverse and totally different. And, you know, yeah. So, I mean, like that, that's what I like is like that, that surprise aspect is that you, you're getting – and we're going to talk about a couple other books of, the, of their books this week. But it's like with each – like with Marvel and DC, you pretty much know what you're getting because they're superhero based stuff like that but with image it's just like it's a book about you know kids with powers in a reality world and then this other book's about world war ii and this other book's about this you know so it's it's you know blood strike you know it's totally mm-hmm. different than america's got powers so yeah yeah and i mean they've put out diverse books you know in years past but i think the thing is that it's this year there's something going on where it's just so consistently good yeah where it's something different but it's also just it's great and like it seems like you know in a way each book is better than the last and yep so that's very cool to see. Yeah, totally. So I dig it. But um, it's funny. It seems as if I always get the pick of the week whenever a new Batman book comes out. <laughs> right? Batman annual number one. We talked about the annuals at the top of the show. Um, this is uh, t- Night of the Owls tie-in tangentially. 
And uh, really what it does is it it establishes Mr. Freeze for the New 52 and Paul and I and Jeff Reed from iFanboy and even writer Scott Snyder had a little conversation about this on iFanboy.com on Friday if, if you want to read that analysis of it. But Paul, why don't you tell us a bit about this book? Yeah, this is um, this really exciting. I mean, you can people were asking, I think, on Facebook if you know, can I read this if I'm just reading Batman or if I'm just reading whatever. You can read this if like if you haven't read a Batman book, you can pretty much pick this up, and I think you'll understand it. And um, but if it ties into anything, it's Batman and the you know the Night of the Owls and the Court of the Owls storyline from that main book, which you should be reading anyway because it's I think it's the best thing DC's putting out. But um, but anyway, this is. Um, a slight wrinkle in in um, Mr. Freeze's story. Now, uh, the classic Mr. Freeze story, I think we all agreed, was from the animated series. And it's the only classic Mr. Freeze story. It's, it's the only, yeah. I mean, there's been a bunch of Mr. Freeze variations, but that is just, it's the classic one. It's a Unless you great, want to count Chill Out. <laughs> count that. You have to. It's a, it's a great, it's a great it's Mike Mignola design. Mignola designed that original um, animated look um, for the character, and but anyways, it's it's that whole idea that his wife is um, has some kind of heart condition, and she's in cryo freeze, and he's trying to figure out a way to both cure her and then thaw her out so that she can go through the procedure and they can be together again. So it's always had this like kind of you know there's a bit of nobility to the character, however misguided he is. But what uh, what Scott Snyder and James Tinian the fourth did with this annual. Is they said that, um, and here's the spoilers. Um, Mr. Freeze isn't actually married to Nora. Nora is old enough to be his grandmother, and is just like the first woman to go into cryostasis or something. Like yeah, she, she, yep. and he did. He wrote his thesis on her as a student, and um, he over the years basically became so obsessed with this case that he decided that they're you know, you know, uh, meant for each other. And he treats her as if she was his wife. And um, so there's this this new little wrinkle in the story that he's kind of deluded. And um, there's a, you know, a bit of a back and forth um, on the site as to whether that's a good change or, or not. But I think we all decided that you kind of have to make a change to Mr. Freeze because that story's been done already with Nora. Um, and they actually completed that story with the... Uh, Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub Zero movie, and they woke Nora up, and she—I think she gets married to her doctor, and Mr. Freeze uh, can't uh, be with her, and so they. Why she know, wouldn't want to be with Mr. Freeze is beyond me. I mean, there's <laughs> so much to offer a woman. Um, they uh, they also made it. They also really explored the idea that Mr. Freeze is a homicidal maniac, and that he's 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 got the classic sort of serial killer upbringing. Yeah, in that he he has he, he had killed a traumatic, his mom. He had a traumatic incident. It manifested in a, as a young age, and he ended up killing his mother. And and the thing for me, in my point of view, was that Mr. Freeze was always interesting because he's complicated. He's got this sympathetic point, part to him, but the, the danger was he became really sympathetic, and so that it makes it difficult to be a, a, a villain. And there's always been two sides of Mr. Freeze. There's been the side that wants to to save Nora, and then there's been the side of the guy who shows up with a giant gun and wants to freeze everything. And it's hard to reconcile those two different sides. So what they try to do here is reconcile those two different sides and make him a little crazy or a little more crazy than he was before. Yeah, um, and I, I, like, I, like that he, I like that he says, though, that he's putting on a show sort of for the public. They, they like his, was it her, his perceived fetishization of ice. So he's like sort of like putting on a front 
because yeah. that's what people want out of their supervillains. And so he's playing up to that. So I like that even though he's deluded and a little bit more psychotic than he was in previous versions, he's um he's still, you know, intelligent and is able to make those kinds of kinds of deductions. And, I, I like the little tuft of hair. He's <laughs> got a <laughs> I little. Didn't, um, I, didn't lo- I didn't love that much. I, I, I did like the uh, hot um, oven uh, um, brass knuckles that Batman had. To punch yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty neat. Um, uh, yeah, no, I didn't. I, I I I read this, and again, it's like I'm on. You know, I'm always on the edge of Batman, and and Connor and I were talking about this when it came out. I thought it was good. I mean, a solid, solid Scott Snyder. I don't think this was the greatest thing since sliced bread, though. I I definitely didn't really jive on the art on the Jason Faybach art. Um, and uh, you know, and I just it kind of like while it's interesting and revealing more about Mister Freeze, it, it kind of to me feels like retconning for the sake of retconning. Um, but I guess there's no continuity now that they started, so I guess you could do that. Now's the time to do it versus you know a year ago or in three years from now. Uh, I think I it's, I thought I think it was super the, solid. I didn't I didn't yeah. make my pick of the week. I don't even think I made a pick of the week. To be honest with you, I'm glad I didn't. I was, yeah, I would say it's 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 not as good as you know the regular monthly Batman yeah. series, and, and and Greg Capullo is a tough act to follow. And I would say that the the, the script isn't as good as the the regular Batman issues, but um. I, I do think it's you know it's, it's a solid annual, and then I'm 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 really interested in what's what's next because now that Batman has you know brought this up and said you know she's not really your wife, it's interesting. What is what does Mister Freeze do next? Because they could go a bunch of different ways with that, and so I think what's really important is whatever the next appearance of Mister Freeze is. I'd be interested in what his new ambitions are, if he's still latching on to that, or if he's moved on to something else. Well, I imagine he's probably coming, right? They wouldn't they wouldn't do this in the annual if he wasn't coming down the road, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, I mean, the, the, the night of the owls it tied in. I mean, they tied it into the, his technology is what is what the talent they use for the talons, and so that that made sense. That added a little more layer to what's going on in the books. Um, yeah, he, he talks about like I've been screwed over by bats. I've been screwed over by owls. I'm so damn tired of this city. <laughs> <laughs> True. Cool. So um, aside from uh, America's Got Powers and the Batman Annual, the other book that was really kind of in the running for me for Pick of the Week was uh, Super Crooks, uh, number three, from Mark Miller and uh, Lanil Yu. Um, I'm really enjoying this miniseries. I know I've talked about it previously on other podcasts, but like each as each issue comes out, I like it a little more, except that it all it feels like a cock tease and not in a good way. Which I know is that's, a pr- that's been the problem with Mark Miller. <laughs> well, no, yeah, but not, but not, not in that Mark, not in that same kind of Mark Miller kind of way. But maybe it is. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just wrong. But like, it feels like it's missing one more scene, or like, and like the thing is, it ends on a cliffhanger. And this was this issue like had some great stuff happen in it, and it was really like you know, kind of my my complaint about issue. You know, you know, issue one kind of set up what they were doing. Issue two was kind of getting them all together, and now issue three, they're starting the plan. It's basically a heist. You know, it's a bunch of supervillains that go to Spain to rob, um, to do a robbery because there are no superheroes there to stop them. But then the swerve is that the guy, the leader, says they're robbing one of the biggest supervillains ever who retired and has all this money now, and they're going to stick it to him. Um, so, like, the stakes are that much higher. Um, and... You know, and and it's kind of like just get on with it, like just just have something happen, and stuff finally did happen in here. But I still I still left it left me wanting more, but again, not in a good way. And so maybe you're right, Connor. Maybe that's the problem with Miller. But I I'm really liking it. It's some of Lineal Yu's strongest work I, I I think ever. Like it looks it looks really good. Yeah. Well, that's I mean that's also 
one of Miller's strengths is he gets really good artists to work yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah. Because his books sell a lot, and they get a piece of it, probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. Look at the creator around, wow. But, um, but yeah, no, this is good. And like when this is all done as a story, like when this is collected, and I mean, this might be a really good thing to hand to people because it's it's a fun take. It's like, basically, again, to go back to the pigeonholing thing, it's like, it's like um, it reminds me of a little bit of Wanted, you know, or, or you know, in, the, in regards of that, it's, you know, kind of into the world, into this world of supervillains and all this kind of stuff. But it, um, but I, it, I think we should have you pitch every book. I could pitch every book. I can, <laughs> okay. but um, I don't know. I just, I'm just really liking it. So it, it, this, this is probably the best issue of the run so far. So yeah. FF number, they really every issue's the numbers are in different parts of the book. Eighteen yeah. uh, continues Hickman's one shot uh, stories from the, you know, the end of his run on Fantastic Four. This is the kids, and in this issue, Johnny takes the kids to the negative zone, uh, not Wakanda, like the solicitation said. Um, and it was good. I, I think, I think that Nick Dragota is a really talented artist who needs to work on being consistent, because sometimes he's amazing, and sometimes not. But although I thought overall he did a really good job with this issue. I, I think. I mean, I, I really like him on this, and I think the what I think is interesting is the humor level, or like the like the having fun aspect is to- totally in this book. Mm-hmm. And like compared to Fantastic Four, which I feel like is 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 like pre- up to this point, he's balanced the two. But in this, like he's turning the fun kind of up in this book and the serious kind of up in the other book. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, like because this book makes me laugh. You know, like like there's no, some, no absolutely, you know, of yeah. course, it's very funny. Um, I, I think that's really shocking thing about it. Yeah, I like Dragota. I mean, like I think I I I know that there we we've talked about the you know there there are some pa- pages and panels that look fantastic, and some others are like oh you know. Um, but I, I think it works, and this was this was just totally enjoyable. So yeah, and I like Professor Johnny. It's funny. Yeah. Um, Peter Panzerfaust number four. Are you guys still on Peter Panzerfaust? I yeah. am. I have it. I'm. I fell behind. I so I didn't read this issue. I'm, I still haven't read issue two, three, two or three yet either. So, Paul, it's it's a uh, this. Yeah, I'm on it. This is a it's a lovely bucolic stop after the the hard uh, warfare of the past couple issues. Um, until the end, and then things go haywire. Um, I think you're having a nice, peaceful sort of break, and then your farmhouse catches on fire. Um, I, th- I, I, I'm just constantly surprised by this book because it, it, it defies what a war comic is supposed to be, without yeah. being, and you, you know, so it's, it's got this, you know, the pigeon only thing again, like the, the pitch. It's <laughs> do it, you know, do it, do it. It's uh, well, you know, it's Peter Pan, and you know. In, uh, Peter Pan World War II. Yeah. Once, once World you War think II, yeah. about the pigeonholing thing, it'll drive you crazy. Right. It's yeah. you know, well, it's it's um, you know, high concept stuff. It's it's very easy to to pitch it, but um, you know that there's it's not as it's not as easy as all that with this one though because it's it's not all one to one analogs of what characters do what in in Peter Pan and you know it's I mean there's you know Nazi Captain Hook you know but that's it's it's still surprising how they integrate some of the Peter Pan ideas and phrases into this book. And it's, it's very much its own story. It's not just those two elements colliding like, you know, peanut butter and chocolate. It's, it's its own thing. It's, and it's, and it's not, it's not so heavily dependent on Peter Pan where you're constantly winking at. I mean, the characters are there, you know, Wendy's there now and and Captain Hook is there now, but they're not banging over the head with it. It's, they didn't even call it Captain Hook's name is German. I don't even know, remember what it was, but right. it's it's these characters in a different, completely different situation, completely different situation. And yeah, it's clearly Peter Pan, but it's also not Peter Pan at the same time. 
Um, so it's just, it, there's, there's, you know, a bit of whimsy to it, but it's like they're not, I mean, it, it, Peter's choices, you know, and to, to get these, these kids to be, you know, warriors and soldiers, like, it doesn't come without, you know, Cons- consequences. There's, con- there's real consequences. I think that's, yeah. there's overall sadness to it, too, in the way that it's narrated from the future. Yeah, uh, and the and the guy narrating it is quite sad about it, even though he has happy memories of their time. Cle- clearly, this this is not going to go well for everyone. I mean, it as, literally, this issue literally ends in tears. Right. So I and think so I, I think this book is still wonderful. I love mm-hmm. I love this book. Yep. Um, yeah. Like, I'm going to catch up, and like, it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be like a a Saturday afternoon in the sun with a glass of iced tea. And I'm going to sit down and just and catch up on this and and know I'll thor- thoroughly enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Again, you, yeah. No, you will. And again, it's no, another image book that's completely different than every other image book out there. Yeah. Uh, it's wonderful. Hey, creators and publishers, if you're looking for a way to get your book in front of as many eyes as possible, as easily as possible, and graphically is the best solution for you to do that, you can upload your book, your comic, your children's book, your sketchbook, your photography book, just about any kind of graphic-based book. Just a few simple steps. You're on your way to getting into the Amazon Kindle store, the Barnes & Noble Nook store, Kobo, and of course the Apple iBook store. There's no need, there's no need to have readers find a specific app just made for comics or, what, or whatever, just send your readers to the digital bookstore where people go looking for books. And with 29% of all adults now owning tablets and e-reader devices and sales of, in 2011 increasing over 300% from the year before with over, for over 3 million e-books sold, that's a lot of potential customers for your books. You can find a full list of pricing and services at our website. Head over to graphically.com for more details. Excellent. So um, Avengers vs. X-Men check-in. Uh, Wolverine and the X-Men number 11 continues to be my favorite tie-in with uh, Avengers vs. X-Men, I think purely because it's Wolverine the X-Men and it's one of the best books out there right now. And <laughs> Nick Bradshaw, I would like to marry. Well, he's I, so good. I thought, I, I, obviously I prefer Bachelor, but I like, I like Bradshaw. Uh, but I thought he was consistent, inconsistent, and I, I looked in his because he had three inkers. Yeah, and depending on who was inking him, th- th- that was depending on how strong the page was. But yeah. overall, it was it was you know another great book. The story is fantastic. Aaron has nails these characters, and it's just tons of fun in a way that's not overly serious, but not overly whimsical. It's, it fits right in that that sweet spot where I think most comics should live, where it's fun and funny and also you know dramatic, and there's action and there's adventure. And it's and it's touching upon those moments or those plot points that are happening in Avengers vs. X-Men and giving them more depth and giving them more weight. And this particular one goes into Wolverine and, you know, kind of uh, him, you know, mulling over what he needs to do about hope and his flashing back to his inability to kill Jean when she was Phoenix and is he going to be able to kill hope and is it because she reminds him of Jean or is it because she's just a kid and... You know, as as well as, you know, like, and it's not just the Wolverine show. You get a little glimpses of, of the other X-Men. Some great, again, potential of Iceman in the fight with him and Red Hulk. Which is, you know, we've talked to, uh, for years now, I feel like, the potential of Iceman as a character. Iceman's finally getting his due. Yeah, finally. which is great, which is totally great. But, um, but yeah, I just, I mean, I just love it. I just, like, I, I, like, I wish this book was, like, weekly. You know, like, it's just, it's so, it's so much fun. Like, the, the, for whatever reason, there's some element of fun that jason aaron's adding to this book and i don't know if it's the you know the kid gladiator interlude in the beginning or you know even in the the dire situation in the phoenix fire and all this sort of stuff it's still fun to read like it's bright it's i don't know it's just it's 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 really my favorite thing on the stand right now so it's not what you think of when you think of jason aaron or pre i mean previous to this yeah like yeah it's just that's very surprising yeah totally so, um, Powers number 10 came out. I just wonder, I'm, I'm going to shit on him for a little bit, so be warned if you're a Powers <laughs> fan, everyone. But um, how much longer on the cover can they run? We're back, all new. Like, yeah, <laughs> fuck you. And then, um, and then 
basically it ends <laughs> it it ends with a with a tidal wave over a city again like how many more tidal waves in a city do we have to see brian bendis <laughs> Like well, there's the, a the lot of question, ocean in the, the world. The real question is, how much longer are you going to stay in this book? Oh, I'll stay on it. I'll keep. On, I'll, I'll stay on it. Um, but what was really, really interesting, though, was really interesting. Um, it, nothing to do with the actual story itself, which is all right, which is typical. But um, Oming in the back put uh, a two-page insert in the back of it of his uh, interpretation of Hollywood's twenty-two panels that always work. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, which is oh, cool, which cool. from from a as for a comic fan or a um you know or whatever you know you know kind of craft fan if you if you know about Hollywood's twenty two panels that always work it's you know it's just it's great little slice of how comics work and Oming take does his take on it does his version of those panels and it's really kind of cool to see and, and he does it in the Powers world with the Powers characters um but yeah so it's really that that was that was like that almost made the whole that made me forget about the whole issue and I was like oh wow this is really cool. So, Very cool. I have, yeah. I have that up on my corkboard. I mean, the original one. But, Do you have the original yeah, one? No, oh my no, God, man. the original one. I, just, I printed it out and I put it up there. No. Oh Jesus, Paul, man. We almost were going to have a serious conversation after the show, so. I know. Yeah. Can I borrow some money? <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, it was, you know. But the, the, the issue was fine. I mean, they're continuing the story on, and I'll, I'll see. With I'll, I'll, I'm not going to drop it. I don't know. You know me. I never drop anything. Is anyone else reading Superman Family Adventures? I got I, it. I didn't read it yet. I picked it up. I've gone completely 180. Ron will find this amusing because I, I totally nailed Tiny Titans when it first came out for being stupid. Yep. Okay. Which got, which got us in trouble for DC. DC. Yeah, big um, time. But uh, by the end of the run, I was totally on board and I got this and loved the crap out of it. Yeah. It's the same creative team as Tiny Titans. It's, so if you were someone who bought Tiny Titans for your family, for your kid, for your niece, or for anyone, or for yourself, uh, it's totally the same thing. Just, just with the Superman family of characters, including Supergirl, Superboy, and Crypto. Crypto. Uh, and then the, uh, of course, Lois, Jimmy, and Perry. Uh, so it's it's what you expect. It's it's giant robots attacking Metropolis, led by Lex Luthor. Superman family has to fight them off, and and Jimmy Olsen has to get a cup of coffee for the chief in the middle of all the madness. So it's 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 perfect. I'm gonna and, give, I'm, I'm gonna give it to my niece, but I want to read it first because what I've heard is that it's got more because Tiny Titans was like all three to four page stories. Oh no, it's a one long. And story. this is and this is yeah. a, so like this is even more of a bridge to us adults because it's it's a more condensed story, right? Yeah, it's it's one story. Awesome. Yeah, but it's it's very it's very kid friendly, and it's just it, I mean it's very it's really cute, and um, uh, but there, but there's some fun stuff in there. Like I like that like uh, Lex has these three robots, and they spell out Lex like one is L, one is E, one is X, and until they reveal that it's Lex Luthor is the bad guy, which is pretty obvious to you know regular readers, but until then the robots are always positioned in like a weird order, so it doesn't spell out Lex. So then, when they reveal Lex, who looks a lot like Grant Morrison, <laughs> it it actually is Lex. So that's kind of cool. Um, and it's cool that like they have like a little like a um, fan art thing in the back, and they got all the ads for Young Justice and stuff. So they're this is I mean this is what they should be doing. This is you know this if they want to you know hook younger readers and and get them into all the other stuff that they have for for all ages, um, they've got that all in there. And it's, it's kind of cool to see that there's something for them. And for Superman readers who don't want to read what they're doing with Superman in the other books. because Although he's got the new costume. He does have the new costume and the collar. and it's hey, Branding, of, man. Branding. Yeah. Well, they, they made that joke at the end of Tiny Titans when which he changed yeah. costumes. But, but the weird thing is Superboy and Supergirl have their old DCU costumes. So. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. So, um, who knows, dear listeners? I like that Perry, I like that Perry White is always yelling. 
<laughs> he's always wants coffee and is always screaming everything. So it's fun. And I'm, I, this kind of sets everything up, and it's like it does all of the Superman tropes and stuff. I'm interested in where they go next and um, what kind of stories they tell. Uh, Exile on the Planet of the Apes, number three of four. Um, continuation of betrayal uh, uh, of the, yeah, betrayal of the Planet of the Apes. It's always yes. weird with the prepositions with this series. Anyways, uh, Gabe Hardman, uh, Karina Bechko, and Mark Laming. Um, it's kind of interesting. There are pages in this book where I had to flip to the beginning and make sure that Gabriel Hardman wasn't drawing like part of this book because Mark Laming is doing a really good job um, matching that style. And there's some really beautiful pages in this. And um, what I love about this book is that I know not a lot of our listeners are huge Planet of the Apes movie series fans, but I'm sure there's some of you out there. What's cool about this is that while all of those classic movies, while I, I love them, even the weird bad ones, um, they all like there's a gap between each of them. There's they're always jumping around in time, whereas what they're doing with Betrayal and Exile here. Um, they get to tell this longer story and stay with this one set of characters, this one ensemble, and there's apes and humans, and they're, they're introducing more of the apes, like Dr. Milo, who appears in the movies, and it's really cool. They get to tell a more complex story than a lot of the movies are um, because they get to establish a kind of continuity here, and they have you know this like a big revolution going on, and um, it's a really good book, and I think whether or not you're into those old movies i think it's worth checking out if you like great science fiction and great adventure books and and great art too because um both the first mini by gabe harman and this one by mark laming are really beautiful looking and consistent to each other so uh big thumbs up to this one um it's funny because it's like i'm fast i've been fascinated recently with the con like we all have our things like we all have our things we're interested in and and Planet of the Apes is very – I very much loop in with the Doctor Who <laughs> and the Harry Potter and the blah, blah, blah. Things that you all like <laughs> that I don't right. care about. And what I think is interesting is that I don't mean to say that in any negative way. Like I think Planet of the Apes is great. I love the concept. I love Heston. I love the masks. I love all this stuff. Oh, you know, I think it's great. But like to hear, you know, I've talked, I've heard, I've, I've eavesdropped on Gabe and Karina talking to people at cons about apes, and I, and I, it's, it's like, it's like listening, it's like listening to myself talk to people about Britpop. <laughs> Or nine hundred two and zero, or or the sure. Mets, or you know, what I mean, like, I, like I'm fascinated by everybody's you know personal interest, but then also like when people find out that I don't like, I'm sure I'm going to get hell from either Suntress or from Gabe himself or somebody for saying I don't like Planet of the Apes. Because, but I, I'm not making any passing any judgment. No, it's I think it's very much you know, a yeah. right place, right time sort of thing. Like when, when sure, I was yeah. younger, when I was like the right age to sort of get this. I mean, these weren't in theaters, but they were running them on, like, AMC. They had, like, marathons or something. And I just happened to catch it at the right time when I wanted, you know, a new science fiction franchise and this crazy new world. And, I mean, it's – I mean, the first one, I mean, it's a, it's a Rod Serling thing. I mean, and yeah. you can't – I mean, there's not much better than, you know, a Rod Serling science fiction idea. And – Connor, Connor, we have we have a strong yeah, ties to Rod we do. Serling. Our college, he taught at our we college, do. and his archives are there, including his, his awards. I've I've held I've held his uh, <laughs> Emmy. 
I did. There was a. There, I was. I was going up to drop a. No, what was I doing? It was in the dean's office. It wasn't to drop a class. I had to get a signature or something like that. And the um and one of the secretaries were cleaning out the rod. Remember the kind of that case, that yep. display case of all the of the Rod Serling archives. And they were the glass was open and they were dusting. And I just walked by. I'm like, can I touch the Emmy? And she's like, yeah, sure, <laughs> come over. And so I picked up the Emmy. And then, <laughs> so. And you guys, you guys have, you know, G.I. Joe. That's not as much of a touchstone for me, Where, but I have like, I have Thundercats, which you guys, I'm sure don't. What? So, we, uh, Thundercats, thunder, thunder, Thundercats, ho, man. Oh, I had the characters. Yeah. I mean, it I was had the on while G.I. Joe totally. was on. Okay. All right. That's fair. All right. Yeah. Thundercats, yeah, you, you Silverhawks, Transformers, yeah. Mask. All those shows were on at the same time in the eighties. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, well, Ninja Turtles is a little bit later, so only by a few years, but yeah, same era. Okay, all right. We're off topic. But, but, any, but anyways, yeah. So it's it's a it's a right place, right time thing, and but I think even if you don't have that touchstone in your past, I think you can enjoy these books because there's great political intrigue and it's uh, gorgeous stuff. So check them out. Cool. So those are the books that we enjoyed this week, um, and you enjoyed a lot of other books as well. Go to ifanboy.com slash comics where you can see all the books that come out each week, and you can do your pull list and come back and rate and review and set your pick of the week. And we want to highlight the picks of the weeks from you, the iFanboy listening on or website the audience. Um, the viewers. Yeah, we know they're not viewers. Um, so the top five picks of the week start off with number six, or actually number ten. Um, the pick of the week, as chosen by me, was America's Got Powers, and it, it was actually the number ten pick of the week for the whole iFanboy community with 1.5% of the pick of the weeks, which, you know, was not too bad of a showing. Um, number five was the Animal Man Annual, number one, with 5.6% of the pick of the weeks. So we're going to hear a little bit about, about that in a moment. Uh, number four was uh, the aforementioned Superman Family Adventures, number one, with 6.7% of the picks of the that, week. That is. Yep. That's great. Um, well, it's interesting that here we are at number four, and we're already in single digits. <laughs> it gives you – it's like, must be a Batman book. <laughs> um, uh, number three, also amazing, Angel and Faith, number 10, from Dark Horse, at 7.6% of the pick of the weeks. Did something happen in that book? It was, it was a really light week. That. Yeah. Number two was The Walking Dead, number 98, with 10.2% of the pick of the week, which I heard a lot of people were going crazy over. The walk to issue 100 seems like it's... Issue 100 hits for San Diego. Um, Excellent timing, Robert Kirkman. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And um, I've heard something about... Does it involve aliens? Yes. Um, (laughs) And the number one pick of the week is Batman Annual, number one, with 44.7% of the picks of the week. And these are all at the time of recording. By the time you hear this and get to the site, these numbers might have changed. But it gives you an idea that everybody loves Scott Snyder and Batman. And let's do some user reviews. David Clark reviewed Animal Man Annual, number one. gave a story of 4 out of 5 and the art of 4 out of 5. And as Ron said, 5.6% of you made it the pick of the week. And David Clark says... This does a good job of filling in what amounts to backstory history of the eternal struggle between Rot, Red, and Green. We get to see the current promise of the Animal Man Swamp Thing team-up versus the Rot played out at the end of the 19th century. No real surprises or aha moments here, just quality narrative with great pacing. As for art, I much prefer Travel Foreman. The annual arts felt too shallow, re not much background depth, but the coloring was spot on. The superhero holocaust premonition panel at the bottom of page 25 is a real stunner. Took me by surprise and instantly made my mind racing, took my mind racing about the potential fallout of the red green rot war that's that is his entire review and uh one thing about this annual that first of all it was written by jeff lemire the, the, the good thing they're doing is having the regular people do the annual. yeah yes um yeah. the cover by travel foreman made me sad that we're not going to see the travel foreman draw swamp thing because he draws this weird creepy sort of translucent swamp yeah thing. It's, it's so cool really yeah uh, but the timothy art 
the second green <laughs> Timothy Art second Timothy Green the second Art <laughs> uh, was actually really interesting and kind of did recall Travel Foreman's uh, work on Animal Man. I think it's very much in the same vein. I like and I like his Swamp Thing a lot. It's like it's kind of this. I don't know. It reminds me of speaking of Harry Potter. It reminds me of the the, the werewolves in Harry Potter because they're like really skinny. And it's just a really weird choice, but uh, and there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Canadian stuff going on here. Jeff Lemire, um, a little suspicious, um, bringing that into our comics. Uh, but yeah, there's like all these Mounties and stuff. And but uh, it was yeah, it's a cool team up, and um, I think it very much fits in with the travel foreman style. I actually um, I like this a lot, and I would be glad to see him on either a Swamp Thing book or an Animal Man book in the future if uh, they so need him. When um when the animal man of the eighteen whatever nineties yes. whatever his eyes started bleeding, like, <laughs> yeah that was awesome. That eye bleeding moment that, still that stands out as calls one of the back best to moments. when we first read Animal Man Number One in the offices yep. of DC, and we both went whoa. Uh, Matt D reviewed Rachel Rising Number Eight, gave the story a four out of five, the art a five out of five. Power percentage at this time is four point six percent. Number, it's the number six pick of the week, okay. by the way. So. Um, I think of Rachel Rising as always being quiet and eerie, but this issue was especially so. Usually there's one or more major acts of violence involved or at least some extreme insane moments somehow connected to death. But in Rachel Rising number eight, the only real violence uh, lasts for one brief panel and we never see its results. Other than that, the closest thing is a, a wordless, inscrutable scene of wolves being guided through... Uh, eating a corpse by the silent woman who has been a powerful presence since the beginning. Rather than great, uh, greatly up the ante here, Terry Moore uh, more simply checks in with numerous me- uh, members of his ever-growing cast, giving each one of them an individualized moment. And, and Rachel Rising continues to be, I think, possibly some of Terry Moore's strongest artistic work yet. The cover is scary um, as hell. Yeah, I mean, and whether or not, like, I'm not really into the genre. I'm not really into the scary kind of, you know, kind of chilling. Th- you know, it's not horror as much as like a thriller or anything like that. But um, the book is solid, and it just you looks like great. Twin Peaks, right? Yeah. I mean, there's there's kind of a I do vibe like Twin Peaks, but I yeah, but the, but what else did Twin Peaks have that then? And what and Connor knows is what got me about Twin Peaks the um, soap opera stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. The relationships Audrey, in the yeah. soap opera and all. Yeah, and yeah, and, and well, it was Lara from yeah, Boyle okay. more, I think. But uh, at least when I was in eighth grade. Well, have you but, seen um, her lately? She's a lot of plastic surgery. Yeah, for oh sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I try not to think about it. Um, who, who was it? Cheryl Lee that we said ate, who ate when we when that side. Oh, was that Sherilyn Fenn? Like, oh, Sherilyn Fenn. Yeah, she, she aged pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> but um, she's still holding up there. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> Where was I? Oh, Rachel Rising. It's just it's just quality. It's good, and, and it's like and it's tough because reading in issues because you can tell Terry Moore's he's not writing it for the trade. I think he's just writing one long story, yeah. and that's just breaking at the end of an issue. And I haven't read the first trade, but I imagine it would feel like the story just abruptly mm-hmm. ends. So I don't know how much of that's helping or hurting it, but um, you know, I know he's on Twitter grousing a lot about the sales and stuff like that. But it's just if you want good comic books, it's great. And think about this, by the way. Also came out this week was Rassel number fourteen. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, Jeff Smith says, Rassel comes to an end with next next issue, 15. So if you remember back when – all in the same week when uh, Terry Moore started Echo, Jeff Smith started Rassel, and Dave Sims started Grand right, Lamarcus, okay. the gods of 90s indie comics. And in that time period, Jeff Smith has done 14 issues of Rassel and is ending it, and that's it. 
Dave Sim has done 25 issues of, of Glamourpus. 20, issue 25 came out this week as well, which is awesome. Um, and Terry Moore had did 30 issues of Echo and now eight issues of Rachel Rising. So 38 total issues in that same time period. Isn't that fascinating? I don't know. Well, he was always, he's always a work, been a workhorse in getting those issues out. Rassel, yeah. no less awesome now. That's a great book. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm sad right. that it's ending. I'm sad that he's kind of. I feel it's like it's also just kind of a. I don't want to say referendum on those guys, but it's it's almost like that era has passed because they're you know they're really struggling with their books as opposed mm-hmm. to fifteen yeah. twenty ten fifteen years ago when they were they were the biggest indie things out yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's a different market. So anyway, all right, cool. So go to ifanboy.com slash comics and you can do your pull list and and review your books and you'll get it on the show if you write a good review. We're all, we're reading all of them, so. So let's do an email. Patrick from rainy, rainy, rainy Seattle, Washington says, so I was reading comic book comics and got to the section on R. Crumb. Inspired by this and a couple of beers, I went to Amazon and bought the book of Mr. Natural, the life and death of Fritz the cat. And I nearly got the book of Genesis. What exactly am I in for? Well, Patrick, I would keep those beers open because you're in for a ride. Uh, <laughs> Have you guys read our crumbs? Only a little, only a little. You're bit. in for some um, interesting yeah. nipples, some hairy kneecaps. Well, our crumb, our crumb is immensely yeah. important in comics history, and um, I remember I discovered him in high school. Like I must have been like a senior or whatever in high school, and, and it was when I was devouring all comics, and I was at my local library, and I just took out every book on comics I could find, and there was some R. Crumb book, and there was the, what the fuck is mm. this? And then that led into, oh, this is underground. <laughs> like you got to understand that you got to understand the time and the environment. It's underground '60s work. Mm-hmm. That's what Arkham. Even though now, even with Book of Genesis, that's his work. That's his. That's his kind of. That's his. That's his arena. And so when you put it in that context, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and, and he's he's a giant. I mean, I remember, even though I didn't read the books as a kid, I, I always knew about Crumb. It's hard. Yeah. His, his he's really he's really yeah, well, his, his art his art style is so distinct. Mm-hmm. You you see a, you see our Crumb art and you know it. You know, there's no just mistaking it for anyone else. He got a really nice chunk of that book, Comic Book Comics or the Comic History Comics. Yeah. Um, he, he's yeah. important. I mean, he 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 ignited a whole a whole uh, movement or a whole mm-hmm. genre of underground co- comics with an X. That's yeah. that's um, that's our crime. Um, he, yeah. you, I don't. Know, I just finished reading that trade, Ron. And there's a really funny panel that you appreciate. I don't know if you saw it or not. In the 1986 section, where they show Batman, um, someone else, maybe maybe Electra, somebody else, and then Mr. Met. Doing, doing a course oh, really? for 1986. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. I do remember that, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Mr. Man. Matt. <laughs> oh, I love Mr. Matt. He's great. <laughs> so, Patrick, uh, if, you, if you're into that kind of thing, you're definitely in for a treat. As Ron said, you might want to keep those beers handy because it's a bit trippy. Our crumb, our crumb yeah, don't, some issues. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect to. Um, I wouldn't. Ex- I, I, it's it's hard. It's hard to set expectations. I wouldn't expect to get a lot of it. I you know, plan for tongue-in-cheek you know kind of parody kind of like kind of wackiness like it's not very not very serious but it's um and and just kind of and and revel in the art i would say so let us know what you think too yeah absolutely curious absolutely yeah i love the idea of someone discovering a whole that whole world like that it's mm-hmm. so a good idea and you can let us know and anyone any of you can email in at contact at ifanboy.com and uh, we'll read your email on the show all right on to our first voicemail skip called in not sure he has a question though Hey, Ron, Connor, and Josh. This is Skip from California. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts real quick on uh, those rumored zero issues of DC's New 52 in September, uh, since all the August storylines seem to wrap up with issue 12. 
Uh, love the podcast. Love the work you guys are doing. And keep it up. Thanks. Bye. Well, Skip, we don't really have any thoughts since they haven't come out yet. but <laughs> Or officially been announced. Right? They haven't officially been announced, but I can tell you they are definitely happening. <laughs> um, uh, they are, they are going to do zero issues in, in September, and they are going to be look-backs at things that happened in the past. So they are not going to, they're, that's what they're going to do. They're going to take, use the opportunity to fill in some, some things that have happened before issue one of all these books has started. So I, I they're, not re, they're not rebooting. There was some, one of the rumors is, this is where they're going to reboot back to the old. They're not doing that. <laughs> they, they're just they're taking a step backwards, which is what zero issues usually do. So. so would you guys pick up any zero issues for books that you're not already reading now? No. Probably there's, not. there's no character that you'd be interested in saying, well, what about looking earlier? No, um, it, it only yeah. depends on if the, if somebody was doing it. That I, like Alan Moore came on to do Blue Beetle, I'd pick it up. But you know, it's uh, it's it's not really. If, if I don't like the character already, I probably I'm not buying their book or not re- liking the direction or whatever about the book. So if I'm not yeah. if I'm not buying it already, I think it's the same creative teams. It's just they're doing zero issue. So yeah, so it's yeah, pretty much the ones I'd be most interested in. You know, things like Batman and Animal Man, which I'm already reading. Um, trying to think of which would be the most interesting like animal man would be kind of cool because you know maybe we'd see i mean we've already seen the the movie he was in we had that sort of one shot kind of thing where they talk about oh, his, right, that one, his yeah. acting stint yeah um but so maybe there's like him as just like a regular superhero not not as much horror based maybe something so that'd be kind of cool um wasn't he in the justice league in this in this universe uh he's he's at least friendly with them yeah, like he's like a, a like an extra, you know, he's like me when Josh gets sick, you know, he call me in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'll read the books that I'm reading, and that's it. You know, and I think yeah. it's fine. I mean, these, are, I mean, like it reminds me of stuff they did in the '90s, and you know, honestly, I like that. Like when Marvel did the negative one issues, I was all over that shit. Yeah, no, I yeah. like I like that stuff yeah. too. I, I like going back and seeing stories that fill in, and you don't always have to move forward. You can stop for a month and go backward. Yeah. All right, on to our next voicemail, which is a head scratcher. Hi, boys. This is. Uh... Russ Tucker in Springfield, Illinois, on Finbar Bad on your forums. Uh, I just got finished watching uh, the movie 127 Hours, finally, and uh, I thought, man, that guy's got a lot of willpower to cut off his arm. And I immediately thought, hey, he, he'd be a good candidate for a Green Lantern ring. And forgive me if you've answered this before in the earlier times, but who would you nominate, be it someone you know personally or a celebrity, to, uh, to that has amazing willpower that would be a, a genuine Green Lantern from Earth. My, my, my vote is Aaron Ralston. Plus, he would look kind of cool because he's got no hand. All right. Thanks, guys. Um, keep up the good work. Bye. Well, you bring up 127 hours. I would say James Franco because he's taking like a million different like graduate courses like at the same time. So that's got to have a lot of you know willpower. So there you go. I think he'd make a great Green Lantern. Um, my nomination would be Cal Ripken. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, man. You got the willpower, all those games, man. Come on. That's true. Connor, who's your real life Green Lantern? Real life Green Lantern. Um whoever is dating the girl at the gym who won't shut up. <laughs> There's this girl at my gym who just talks the whole time. Whoever's dating her really must have a lot of willpower. Jesus. Um, I don't know. That's a tough question. It's a good one, though, and I think he, he asked if we'd maybe answered it before. I don't think we ever have. It's I don't think really, we ever answered it. No. Yeah. It's a really good question. Yeah. Um, who has a lot of willpower? The Nicolas Cage character in SNL. <laughs> Just Nicolas Cage. Yeah. So, all right. Um, on to our last voicemail, um, which, which wants some answers. Hey, this is Randy from Georgia, and I'm listening to the show, and 
you guys are talking about how many double dipping things that you do, you get things in issues and uh, hard covers and trades and all this stuff. How in the hell do you afford all of this? Um, I mean, I'm not asking you necessarily a personal question about, you know, your finances, but I mean, you know, issues are four dollars, you know, and then you got trades that are twelve, fifteen, twenty bucks, and hardcovers that are thirty. I mean, uh, God, I mean, I just I don't see how you can pay the mortgage and uh, buy all the books that you want to read. So um, I'd love to just know kind of how you balance all of the entertainment that you guys do and cover, and uh, you know how you balance that with your wallet. Uh, thanks. So uh, I've got a job. I don't know about yeah. you. Yeah, we work. <laughs> uh, that helps. Um, it also helps that that job is in the comics industry, and so I, we actually get comps. So like a lot of stuff we get for free. <laughs> uh, but I but I wouldn't even call that most of this. Um, we have a we have a job in comics, so we yeah. have to keep up with a lot of the stuff if this is part of our job. So it becomes a business expense. So it, mm-hmm. I get a lot of that cash back at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, Hold on to those receipts. I also buy most, if not all, my trades on Amazon, where they're. Forty percent off, and uh, you know I don't have a house with a mortgage. I've got a relatively cheap rent, and I don't have a kid, and you know, so it's like I I have a job that that doesn't pay me a lot of money, but it pays me enough to pay my bills and buy some comics. It's so. all the choices that you make. It's all personal. Yeah, I mean, like these are you know there's something you know I I years ago I had season tickets for the Mets, and now I don't, and so that's one less expense, so I can spend that on on an absolute every now and then. You know what I mean? So. It's all. It's just juggling your, you know, what's important to you. So, but the the, the comps do help. Paul, <laughs> we only pay in comics. So yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. That's how he gets them. Yeah. All right. So if you've got any questions, you can call us on our voicemail line at one eight 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 fanboys. It's one eight eight three two six two six nine seven. And I don't mean by saying we get comps. I don't mean to like rub it in. I'm just saying that 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 is a big factor, and it's our job. But I recognize that it does cost a lot of money. But you all make your personal choices. I don't get it. We don't get we don't get absolute comps. I yeah. Don't no, get, we don't. Yeah, like, we don't. Like, there's there's things that you know. To be honest, we get a lot of comps of the stuff we don't want to read. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I also I don't I don't double dip as much as I used to. Like now I've sort of figured out like oh I, I like this first issue, but I know I'm gonna want that great collection that's coming out. Oh yeah, so neither, yeah. I don't off. double dip nearly. I mean, I double dip on like classics or like the things I double dip on was like the like I got the X Men Inferno on the bus because I wanted a cool you know like I just I have those issues, but it's easier to pull out that book from the hardcover, you know, but. I don't know, but Lord knows after moving, I'm not buying any more hardcovers ever again. So. <laughs> All right, so call us at 188-FANBOYS. is 188-326-2697. Um, we are a bevy of podcasts. In case you haven't noticed, we are, we have turned on the – I don't know what we've turned on. but The spigot. The, the spigot, spigot of podcasts. So um, it is just a cavalcade of podcasts. It has been for the past couple of weeks, and it's not going to let up. Um, in addition to the iFanboy Pick the Week podcast – Every week we do the iFanboy Don't Miss podcast where we talk to a creator about a book that's coming out that you absolutely cannot miss. And this week, we're delivering you the goods. You get an extra special bonus iFanboy Don't Miss with Mr. Darwin Cook talking about Before Watchmen Minutemen number one, which comes out this week. Um, Don't Miss is normally a 15-minute podcast. Darwin and I talked for close to an hour, so I hope you enjoy <laughs> it. This is one of those books that is coming in just under the radar, so we wanted to yeah. make sure you knew as much about it as possible because exactly. there's really no word out there. So you can you will be able to listen to that on iFanboy on Monday, uh, after the day after this podcast comes out, um, as well as you can find it on iTunes. Just search I, uh, iTunes for iFanboy or Don't Miss or both iFanboy and Don't Miss and subscribe to it and download it and listen to it now. 
Um, in addition to iFanboy Don't Miss, we also, every Wednesday or so, Josh, uh, our compatriot Josh Finnegan, talks to Andy Schmidt of Comics Experience and deliver the uh, Make Comics podcast, where it's all about the craft of not only just making comics, but a lot of the kind of behind-the-scenes business side of comics as well. Um, it's really fascinating to listen to. It's a good, fun listen, and, and sometimes Josh has other creators on other than Andy, and it's really uh, worth listening to. And it has its own feed now. So we have been publishing it here on the Pick of the Week podcast feed. That's going to end at some point in the next couple of weeks weeks and you're going to want to move over to the dedicated feed it's linked on the site as well as you can go to, you can find it in itunes just search for ifanboy make comics and in addition to that we do we talk to creators um we do ifanboy talk explode which usually comes out every thursday or so right about that yeah, um, it's usually the time and recently this past thursday josh talked to indie creators chris schweitzer and scott, scott chandler, chandler. Uh, yes i got it Chris okay, I wasn't in the scripts. So I was make sure you had the name. No, I had it right here in front of me. Right. Chris Weiser and Scott Chandler um, about their upcoming book from Oni and some other great stuff. Um, so you're definitely going to want to listen to that. That's a lot of fun. And, Paul, you've got a Talksplode coming up, right? Yeah, I'm going to be talking to Greg Rucka about his new prose novel, Alpha, um, a new Jad Bell franchise, um, sort of a thriller. And to pigeonhole it, uh, we could say that it's, uh, it's Die Hard in an Amusement Park. But it also comes with a great uh, technical aspects and uh, military authenticity that Greg Rucka always brings to the table. So we'll talk about that. that coming and, today in the mail. Should be arriving yes. in the mailbox. Soon. Very good. Very good. I've read it already. It's great. Awesome. Cool. So yeah, so you can find that all. You can find that on Thursday at ifanboy.com or right in this feed that you are subscribed to. You should get it automatically. And go back and look in the feed. Josh had a great conversation with Tim Seeley, and there's been other great stuff on there. So uh, always check out what's on. And there's the a feed. bunch coming up. There's like yes. three or four lined up in a row. So you can check out all those shows at ifanboy.com, including Ron's Pick of the Week. And uh, when by the time you hear this, you'll probably see my book of the month review, if not soon after. Uh, you can find that at ifanboy.com, including writings from Paul, from me, from Ron, from Josh, from all of our great staff writers including all the latest news and reviews, and there was no news this past week. So Dead week. Dead. It was just quiet, mm-hmm. and we were bored scrambling for anything. So Cobbles. come back to iFanboy.com for all the news. You can go to iFanboy.com slash about for our staff listings. You can see our social network links there. You can also follow Twitter.com slash iFanboy and Facebook.com slash iFanboy. Yes, and you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or call and leave a voicemail at 1-888-FANBOYS. That's 1-888-326-2697. Any questions, comments, concerns, have a question in there. If you're calling in, keep it short. Let us know your name, where you're from. Um, it's always great to hear from you. If you dig what these guys and glasses do each and every week, uh, write them a review in iTunes, or better yet, tell your friends about them. Introduce your mom to podcasts. Spread the iFanboy word. And they should also review your podcast, Paul. Tell us yes. quickly about your podcast. I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, I do Fuzzy Typewriter, and uh, that's with my buddy, uh, Mr. David Acampo. Uh, it's about story, storytellers, art, and artists, which gives us license to talk about just about everything, movies, TV, books, uh, comics, things like that. Uh, recently, we've been talking about all the Alien movies. We have a podcast for Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, Alien Resurrection. The next one's going to be sort of like all the drippings. So that's like Alien versus Predator 1 and 2. We're even going to have Jeff on to talk about the toys and comics and stuff and then uh, we're going to be talking about prometheus which we'll also be doing over here in ifanboy as well so um go check out fuzzy typewriter yeah i'm trying to watch alien before i watch prometheus so. it's, uh, i haven't watched watch any of them in a decade have you decade. watched the uh trailer to prometheus and then watch the trailer to alien no. go, go do that is it the same no but it's not the same but like the visually and like the, the that noise the won't won't you know like whatever yeah. like like it, there, there's tons of tons of nods back and forth it's pretty yeah. cool yeah so i haven't watched either movie in a decade so yeah. I, I need to figure out how i'm gonna do that before I pre- pre- they're pre- good so 
All right, cool. All right. So until next time, uh, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Paul. 